0: Good morning. Good morning. And happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Hanukkah starts tonight. And I can see by the table that you like my wife hasn't bought me anything for Hanukkah. Oh. But <laughs> we can deal with that during Talk Back. <laughs> what what do you know about Hanukkah? Like what's what if I asked you what it is? What would you tell me? Yeah, Jim, go ahead. Jewish holiday. Oh, Jewish holiday, okay. <laughs> That's all you know, okay. What, anyone know the story? Right, the oil will last one day's worth of oil. Is needed, you need eight days' worth to dedicate, rededicate the temple, and miracle of miracles, it lasts for eight days. Is that basically what you know? Yeah, that is a, is a fabulous testament to the power of disinformation (laughs) right that is not Hanukkah that is what the rabbis ancient rabbis want us to think Hanukkah is about because the real Hanukkah story turned out to be so horrendous so let me tell you a little bit about the real Hanukkah story which will lead us into martyrs and current events I think so Hanukkah is a 2nd century BCE battle. Hanukkah means to rededicate, so that's the temple part. But it's a civil war between two groups of Jews. One are the Hasmoneans. They're like the, the very conservative. We might think of them in terms of like the evangelical Christians of their day. But they're, they're the, the ultra-conservative Jews, the Hasmoneans. And they're battling the Hellenized Jews of their time which are influenced by the Greek civilization. So the Hellenizers want to bring in Greek philosophy and Greek science and Greek art and sport into uh, the Jewish civilization and the Hasmodeans are absolutely opposed to it and they're battling back and forth and they each have their allies and uh, the Greco-Syrians are aligned with the Hellenized Jews and the Uh, Ultimately, the Hasmoneans bring in the Romans, which was a big mistake, but it really is this civil war among Jews. The Hasmoneans win. Now, they're led by a, a guy named, first, Mattathias, who has several sons. And they call themselves the Maccabees, which means the hammer, because they hide underground. You can find some of their hideouts still. They built these underground cities, and they waited for the, the, their enemies to wander by. Then they'd swarm out and smack them down with, you know, they kill them with swords. But it was like a hammer blow, and then they'd run away and hide. And eventually, they win. And they celebrate their victory, a military victory, at Hanukkah time. The problem with the military victory is that the victors are corrupt and they become more and more and more extreme until and it takes quite a while before this happens but until they end up uh, in this clash with the rabbis and they murder thousands of rabbis and ultimately 50,000 people die in another civil war sparked by this Jewish Taliban. in the end, they are defeated because they align with the Romans and the Romans say who needs these people and you know, the whole, it's, it's a complicated story. But the rabbis then say we got to get rid of Hanukkah the way we've been doing it uh, because it celebrates the victory of these people who become you know, mass murderers. So what they invent is the story of the eight days worth of oil. And they say, that's what Hanukkah's about. It's about this miracle where God intervenes, and though it never really says that. But the miracle is that the oil lasts for eight days. And let's celebrate that. So people went for it because nobody liked the Hasmoneans after a while. And they said, let's just forget those people. And this is much nicer. And then they would argue not about um, Hasmoneans versus Hellenizers. They'd argue about how to light the, the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah menorah. So there's eight branches to the menorah. They used to be done, now it's candles mostly, but it was oil, like in the, in the temple. And they argued over whether you start with one uh, light, to, like tonight is when it starts. You start with one, and then tomorrow it's two, and then it's three, and you get to eight, and then you know the holiday is over. That was one faction of rabbis who said, do it that way. And another faction of rabbis said, no, that makes no sense you won't know when to stop. Let's start with eight lights and then you count down and there's just one light left and you know that's the last night. So they battle about this. Now they, they argue, they don't actually have you know, physical battles, but they fight over this and then they come to a compromise and the compromise you'll see though, who knows if anyone who does this knows why they're doing it, but the compromise is, just pretend there's, you know, eight things here. When you put the candles or pour the oil in the little cups, you do it from right to left, from the eighth side down to the first side. So tonight there's just one candle, but tomorrow when you put the candle in the, the hanukkah I'll put it in the second night first and the first night second before I light them. Then I'll light them one, two. So you put them in two, one, you light them one, two and then three, two, one, but you light on one, two, three. And that's the compromise. Everyone was happy or no one was happy, but that's, <laughs> that's how they, they managed to, to get around that one. The holiday was minor until Christmas becomes major, especially in the United States. It was a minor holiday, but because it's close to Christmas, I mean, sometimes it's really, it even overlaps Christmas, because of its proximity to Christmas, uh, Jews started making a big deal out of it, so when their Jewish kids would say, you know, I want Christmas, they say, but we have this. And it never worked. Right? <laughs> I mean, it, it is a festival of lights. You can go to my house. My wife puts a string of white and blue lights on the front of the house. You can't even see them because of all the Christmas lights in the neighborhood. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But that's what they did. I know my family, when I was growing up, it was always oh they they the Christians only have one day, we have eight days, you know. But it we knew it wasn't the same, right? There's no Macy's Day Hanukkah parade. Yeah. There's okay, so. But they try. That's why the Hanukkah uh, that's why Hanukkah has whatever cultural force it has. It's really because of of Christmas. Why does any of this matter? So let me, let me just jump ahead 2,000 years and read you something uh, from former Trump National Security Advisor uh, Michael Flynn. I don't know if you were following this, but he was speaking at uh, a Reawaken America tour. Um, and this, I'm just going to quote him. He said, if we're going to have one nation under God, which we must we have to have one religion. If we're going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion. Now the religion he's hoping for isn't Reform Judaism. <laughs> right? It's not Unitarian Universalism. He's hoping for a Christian Taliban. A, a, a predominantly white even white supremacist, Christian identitarian nationalism that you see emerging in countries uh, like like Hungary and and other places. You see this religious nationalism emerging all over the planet. So it's happening here, it's happening in Turkey, it's happening in India, it's happening in Israel, in, in many Muslim countries. I mean, there's this resurgence of the most primitive, violent kinds of religion. But he wants that here, And in that call, he aligns himself with the Hasmoneans. Right? He is, a, I'm obviously mixing my metaphors, but he is a Christian Hasmonean. And he wants what the Hasmoneans wanted in ancient Israel. No, uh, basically, their, dominant, their, their dominance of the religious the religion of the the country. He wants that here. He wants his religion to dominate and his religion is the most Taliban like version of Christianity that you can imagine. So, my question is will he win? Which way is America gonna go? Is it gonna go Unitarian or is it gonna go Christian Taliban. I suspect it's going to go Christian Taliban. If not forever, at least for quite a while. And the reason I think this is true is that they're not afraid to be martyred. In fact, they love their martyrs. Even when they don't even they don't even die. I mean, they, they like or or uh, I forget the woman who was storming the Capitol and she got killed. Uh, Ashley, is that, is that her name? Anyway, I mean, they made a martyr out of her. They, they took uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, who I saw the other day is in some uh, hashtags, the baby-faced butcher of Kenosha, <laughs> which I think is over the top, but actually quite funny. But uh, they're making a, a, a hero out of him. So you've got someone who's willing to die for her god, in her country, which are indistinguishable, and someone who's willing to kill, even though Kyle says he has no religious affiliation. I mean, he will by the time he finishes being on Tucker Carlson for the 57th time. So my argument is they have the advantage because they're willing to kill for their god and their religion, and they're willing to die for their god and their religion, which brings me to a lesser-known Hanukkah story. So we know the story that they have to dedicate, the temple takes eight days, and they only have one day's worth of oil, and rather than, I mean, it's been years since the temple's been desecrated, rather than wait a couple of days to press more oil out of the olives, they are impatient and they put all the oil they have into one, one day's, it's one day's worth of oil, they put it in the lamp, and it lasts for the entire eight days. Okay, that's the story we know. Here's a much more interesting story, especially if you don't believe in miracles. This is a story, you can find it in the uh, second book of Maccabees, in the Bible that includes the Apocrypha, so Catholic Bible, Episcopal Bible, Greek Orthodox Bibles. You don't find it in Jewish and Protestant Bibles. Anyway, it's chapter 7 of 2 uh, Maccabees. And the, Bible, the story is called Hannah and her seven sons. So Hana is this woman, we, As far as we know, her husband's out of the picture. I mean, definitely out of the picture whether he's living or dead, we don't know. But Hannah has seven sons and they all range from young adult to little kid. And the Greco Syrian allies of the Hellenized Jews come into her village and they want to get people to align with them. And the way they do it, because they've they've also gone to the extreme, the way they do it is to try to force Jews to to violate their religion, in this case, in this story uh, in particular, by eating pork. So they don't want to just go door to door and hand out ham sandwiches, they gather this woman and her family, and they bring them to the center of the town, and they make all the townspeople surround them, and they say, eat the ham, or die. So one by one, they start with her oldest son, and they work their way down, and each son refuses to eat it, and they torture and kill him in front of his mother. And they go through six of them. Then even they are, are just appalled by what they've been doing. So before they take the, the youngest one, they go to Hannah and they say, look, we would like to stop doing this now. Will you please tell your boy to eat the pork and we can all go home? And she says no. And she encourages her littlest son to do what her, uh, his older brothers did and die for God and Torah. And he refuses to eat whatever they're giving him, the ham, and they torture him, and he dies. The story then says that Hannah dies, and there's all kinds of speculation about how she does it. She's not tortured, she doesn't eat the the stuff, but some say she went mad and threw herself off a cliff. Some say she committed suicide, some say she doused herself with oil and set herself on fire, sort of like the first Hanukkah candle or something, but, you know, some kind of... Protest kind of thing. We don't really know, but and we don't know if the story is true. It's probably not. But in the story, they don't tell you what happens. But she does kill herself rather than do that. So, in 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 resisting the eating of the pork, Hannah's seven sons are upholding Judaism, and and. and adhering to the Jewish law because Jewish law says there are three categories of behavior that you must avoid even uh, if, the, if the alternative is death. There are three things that desecrate the faith that if you violate, that, that you cannot violate even if you die making that decision. One of them is you can't bow down to false gods, you can't Commit adultery, idolatry. The second one is sexual crimes: adultery, um, incest, rape. You can't you can't engage in any kind of sexual violence. Uh, that one you should die before you do that. And the third one is murder: that you're, you, if they come to you and they say, you know, kill this person, or we're going to kill you, then you die and don't kill the other person, regardless of who the other person is. and, and the capping phrase that goes with that. in the Talmud is, you can't do that because your blood is no more red than the person you're going to kill. So there's an equality there and you you can't do that. So those are the three things. And eating the pork was an act of idolatry because the Torah, which is the word of God, says don't eat pigs. And if you're eating a pig, then you're breaking the Torah's law and you're denying the authority of your God. Right? So you, you see how the logic works. So, I had to ask myself when I read this story, you know, if, if someone came to me and said, you know, eat ham or die, I, I think I'd eat the ham. <laughs> <laughs> you know? If they, they said, we're going to take your son and your grandson, and if they don't eat ham, we're going to kill them. I think this is accurate, but I may be wrong. I would hand them the mayonnaise. Don't you eat ham with mayonnaise? I've never had ham, but I'm guessing. Mustard. Mustard, okay. As soon as I said mayonnaise, I thought, oh, maybe it's mustard. So. It's not either or, just for the record. Oh, it could be. Thank you. It could go, it could go either way. I would tell them to eat the ham. I mean, one, because I don't believe in that God. Two, I don't think the laws are from that God who I don't believe in. So just save your life and eat the ham. What I hope I would be more steadfast in my resistance to having to kill someone or to doing some sexual violence to someone, I I hope I would say, no, that is harming some other person. But eating ham, look, you might even like it. (laughs) You know, who knows? I wouldn't stand up for my faith in that instance, I would succumb. Now, if that's true, and and my guess is true for most of you, that if it was your life or the life of your children or grandchildren, um, or renounce the seven principles, soon to be eight, (coughs) of the Unitarian Universalist (coughs) faith, my guess is yeah, the interdependent web of all being. Well, who really cares? <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna die for that, right? I'm not gonna die. That. maybe you will, I, that's gonna be talked back. But I, I'm not gonna die for that. So how realistic is this? So I'm gonna give you another quote. Uh, I think you can find this Hasmonean-like passion on the illiberal, you can find it everywhere. You can find it on the illiberal fascist right, and you can find it on the illiberal socialist left. But I'm only concerned about the fascist right, because they have the guns and they're willing to use them. So, I don't know, you may have seen this, but Charlie Kirk is one of these right wing fascistic Christian guys, and he has an organization called Turning Point USA. And last October, he had a rally, and it was televised, and some guy stood up, I mean, I watched it, some guy stood up, and he said, When can we use the guns? That's the only clip that most of us hear, but there's more. So he says, when can we use the guns? This is not a joke. This is what he says. I'm quoting him. When can we use the guns? That's not a joke, he says. How many elections are they going to steal before we kill these people? And the they is us, right? The they are the liberals. How many elections are they gonna steal before we kill them, before we kill these people? He was serious. Now Charlie Kirk's answer is even more frightening than the guy who asked the question. Charlie Kirk's, first he says it's a good question, but then he says, don't say it out loud. That's his response. We know we're gonna do it, but let's not tip our hand. And what he says is, out out loud, uh, he says, um, he cautions the guy against saying it out loud. It wasn't that he was opposed to, what, to the idea of murdering, liber- murdering liberals, but he says saying it out loud will only play into their hands. And they'll, you know, they'll put it on social media, and we don't want that. We know we're going to do it, but let's not advertise it. So the, there, there are two questions we have to wrestle with on Hanukkah, whether you're Jewish or not. Two questions you have to wrestle with on Hanukkah. First, which side are you on? Are you a Hasmonean or a Hellenizer? I mean, that's extreme, I'm giving extreme options. There's, you know, in the middle. But Hasmoneans being people who are, you know, Taliban-like in their faith, and the Hellenizers being people who are very liberal regarding their faith. Which side are you on? You have to make that clear. So I know that when I was a rabbi in a congregation, we would talk about this, and I always would say, look, I would be on the Hellenizer side. I'm I'm not embarrassed by it. Hellenistic Judaism gave us some brilliant philosophers, Philo, Josephus. They gave us um, the book of Ben Sirach, the wisdom of Sirach in the uh, Apocrypha. There's some great stuff going on. And they gave us the Septuagint. You know, the first Greek translation of the Bible. So these were literary, these were literate and literary people uh, with deep philosophical concerns about what was right, what was wrong, what was true, what was false, and they were openly interested in and influenced by what was called modern culture in in, in that part of the world. It was Greek Greek culture. So I'm definitely on the Hellenizer side. The second question you have to ask yourself is, how much are you willing to lose to help your side win? And that's where I really fall short. I suspect that you're probably, most of you are Hellenizers, right? Most of you are willing to bring in the best of modern, I mean, you're all wearing masks. So you're already under the influence of Dr. Fauci and and his his uh, Hellenizing ilk. So, I assume that most of us are on the liberal end of the spectrum. I I don't know if if the word is I assume or I fear. (laughs) I don't know which way I want to go at the moment. But I fear that most of us are not willing to die for our faith, our religion. I mean, maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong. But I, I suspect that most of us are not. And even if we are willing to die, I don't know if we're willing to have our kids and our grandchildren die, and I don't know if we're willing to kill. But I suspect that the Taliban-like right is. And that's why I think they, like the Hasmoneans, will win. So what I want to talk about when we come back for TalkBack is whose side are you on? How much are you willing to lose? And then, if you're not like, if you're like me and you're not willing to lose your life or the life of your family, what's the alternative? What, what can we do to preserve the, the kind of faith that, that we think is, is uh, true and, and resist the kind of faith we think is false? All right, I'm going to stop with that and wish you all again happy Hanukkah. And I'll be back in a few minutes.